I do want to get started. And so if you guys have your Bibles, I would ask that we get our Bibles out. And if you'd like to turn there, we're going to be reading in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, before we do that, I want to ask that we come to prayer. And um, I want to invite our um, prayerful consideration. I want us to, I want to invite us to uh, join together to ask the Lord to bless this meeting, to um, have his way amongst us, to have his way um, in this group and for him to speak and for him to um, bring light, to bring encouragement, to bring conviction, to bring whatever it is that he needs to bring here. And so if you can do uh, remove all form of distractions and uh, let's pray. Father, we, <clears throat> we come before you, Lord. And I just ask right now in this moment, Lord, that you would give me the words to speak. Father God, I pray right now for your power. I pray for your anointing. God, I pray for wisdom. I pray for knowledge, Lord. Your word says that in the selfsame hour that you give me words to speak and that it would be you speaking through me, Lord. Father, I pray that you would cut as a two-edged sword. Lord God, I pray that you would uh, disperse all lies. You would dispel every single lie that anybody in this group has believed, either about themselves or about you or about your word. Father, I pray that you would bring freedom. I pray that you would bring liberty. I pray, Lord God, that you would set the captives free today. Father God, I ask of you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to bring peace, to bring joy God, I pray that, that every demon would be bound. Father, I pray that every demon would be expelled. God, I pray that there would be no hindrance to your word. Father, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that, God, that you would illumine our understanding, enlighten our eyes, that we may see your glory better than we've seen before. Lord God, I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would, ri you would raise us up that those who have been afflicted, Lord God, in their minds and in their bodies, Lord God, that you would grant healing, that you would grant, Lord God, soothing, Father, that you would grant peace. God, I ask that you, Lord, would have your way, Father, that you would captivate the attention of us all today. God, help me, Father. Lord, I cannot do anything in myself. I cannot do anything in my own power. I need your strength. I need your anointing. I need your glory. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, rest in this place. Holy Spirit, rest in this place. Father, I pray that you would give me prophetic insight. I pray, Lord God, that I would teach clearly. Father, I pray that there would be an exposure of your truth, that it would draw out, Lord God, truth from your word. Holy Spirit, I pray, convict, comfort, exhort. Yes, Lord, you're welcome here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Have your way, Lord. Have your way. Have your way, Lord. Open up the hearts of your people. Open up the hearts of your people, Lord. 
Open up the hearts of your people, Lord God. Hallelujah, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God. Give us direction. Give us guidance. Give us direction and give us guidance, Lord. Give us understanding. Holy Spirit, fall. Glory to God. We worship you. I just want us to worship the Lord for a minute. We worship you, Lord. You're worthy. You're worthy, Lord. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our iniquity. Forgive us of our transgressions. Forgive us, Lord God, for wronging you, Lord. Forgive us for offending you. God, we don't want to entertain any of that, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord. Have mercy upon our souls. Have mercy and have grace, God. Cleanse us. Hallelujah. Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So I wanna I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter six. And I want to just, I want to hopefully talk to you guys. About spiritual warfare. Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I I didn't, I didn't see all the other questions. Brother David, I'll get to the, your question afterward. Um, I'm not just I'm not all, I'm not good at reading so for, forgive me guys um it's hard it's so small on my screen Ephesians chapter 6 and and I hope to be talking to you guys about spiritual warfare and if you guys have been serving the Lord at all for a while now you come to realize that this isn't a walk in the park. This isn't um, an easy thing. This isn't a stroll on a beautiful uh, Saturday morning. It's far from it. <clears throat> and I think that the problem is we so often view everything with our visual sight. We don't see as we ought. We see Christ and we understand him to be who he has claimed to be. And we have come to cherish Christ in our hearts. But a lot of the times when the Bible tells us certain things, about the severity of of this walk and and how difficult it can be and how it's described as a battle, how it's described as a war. I think what we do is we, we, we tend to look out in our surroundings and then we make an inference from what we see that life really isn't that bad, that humanity really isn't that sinful. 
I mean, we might have a concept of that. We might agree, yes, man is sinful. Yes, the world is corrupt. But if if the curtain of eternity was was to be lifted up for a moment, I think what we would begin to see in the spirit realm among the demoniac are things that would cause us perhaps to tremble. I think that we would begin to really see how we ought to see in truth. And, um, for example, I posted on Instagram uh, just this recent trial how Kyle was pronounced not guilty. And before they came to the verdict, what you be, what you seen was he was qui- his lips were quivering and he's his back was shaking and you could see that he could barely hold his composure. And when the verdict was reached, not guilty, he literally collapsed on the table and he, he, he was venting and he, he was needing to be consoled and, 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 and his mind needed to orientate to his setting. Well, if God has forgiven us, if, if that was the expression of a man in a secular court, in a temporal court among a temporal judge who doesn't see all, who can only punish the body and after that do no more, how great should we respond in joy knowing that God has forgiven us? Are, are we are we nonchalant are we are we indifferent to the idea that the penalty for our sin was so great and yet God and rich in his mercy has forgiven us and if that's the case then it just proves my point that we don't see as we ought how could it be that a man being acquitted and and forgiven and and and, and de- excuse me declared not guilty in in a temporal court How could he have a greater expression than us than we as the church of Christ should be expressing our joy to the Lord and rightly so that he has forgiven us. But that's to illustrate this point is that we don't really see as we ought, I think, in the spirit realm. Because if we did, I think that we would probably be more cautionary. We would be more alert. We would be more sober-minded than we are but let us let us go to ephesians chapter 6 and this is what paul says he says finally be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might put on the whole armor of god that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil and so he comes to the crux of the the matter here he comes to his final thought and we know that it's his final thought in this letter because he says, finally, right? It's that transitionary word. And so everything he had written prior helps to provide us some understanding how to, to uh, exactly how to go about in this battle. He, he lays down the, the moral imperatives of how you ought to live. He lays down the doctrine of Christ that we're forgiven, right? And so he, he comes to this final thought in his letter, and it's this, that we are to be strong in the Lord. Okay, so what do we see there? Number one, strength is required in our walk with the Lord, right? 
In addition to the armor that God asks for us to put on, we have to be strong. Strong for what? Does that mean that we we have to be we have to be muscle bound? Does that mean that we have to be um, strong in the flesh? Does that mean that we have to be strong for the purpose of being a literal militant army um, opposing the enemies of God with military force? No. I think that we can draw a parallel to what the Bible tells us in Joshua. Be strong and very courageous to do all that I have commanded you. And so that is the key to success in walking successfully in this spiritual war. And it's that we must be strong for the end purpose of doing all that God has commanded. When the Lord says that you have to cut someone out of your life because they are toxic, guess what that requires? That requires strength. That doesn't, a feeble mind, a weak mind is incapable of doing that. When the Lord says that you have to have strength to pray, even when you're tired, even when it's very cold in the morning, and, and, and or, or you fill in the blank, it requires strength because it is command. Be thou strong and very courageous. We have to have strength in this army, in this war, in this battle, if we are going to successfully, um, if we're going to be successful, if we're going to win this war, we have to be strong. But that might leave some of us discouraged because we, you might be saying, I am not strong. What am I to do? Am I to muster up my own strength? Am I to pull myself up by my own bootstraps in order to develop strength? What do I do? Well, welcome to the club because we should rightfully be discouraged. We should rightfully find ourselves hopeless if we were the answer. But thank God that the Bible does not anywhere else in the script, nowhere in the scriptures tell us that we have to draw for our own resources for strength. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to conquer your doubt or conquer your fears or conquer your anxieties or conquer your depression or conquer uh, your the attachment that you have to certain people by your own power. And if it was by your own power, then welcome to the club because we're all in trouble. But we have an infinite God whose resources are infinite, who never run dry. Amen. And so if the Bible says be strong and courageous, it begins with going to the Lord and drawing from him as our resource. And he doesn't get tired of you coming to him. Lord, help me because I'm weak should be a daily prayer. Paul says this, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in infirmities and persecutions and tumults and peril and danger and all these different things. Why? Because when I am weak, therefore, I am strong in him. 
I want the power of God and the glory of God to rest upon me. And what that necessitates is for the Lord to bring me to a place of weakness so that in him I might be strong, not in myself. And so if if uh, this is what happens, sometimes Christians say, I just got to... I just got to reason myself to become a more strong person. Or I just got to talk myself out of this, or I just got to, I just got to get through it and, 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 and um, kind of muster up some grit within me and some tenacity. No, the answer will always be father. I am weak. Father, I cannot do this. Father, help me. Father, I am anxious. Father, I'm I'm weary. Father, I'm weak. Father, I'm scared. And because there is security in that address, because there is security in that name, because there is hope and there is power in that name, he administers grace upon grace upon grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Where the kingdom of darkness causes destruction, this kingdom of light administers recovery. And so the hope there is, I don't have to be strong in myself. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to figure it out. I just got to look to the Lord and in the strength of his might. And how much might does he have? Well, look no further than his own name. He is almighty. That means he has all might. If if you were to get in a fight and uh, it was a tag team or something and, and uh, your partner was almighty in the flesh, <laughs> you probably wouldn't fear who you guys were up against. And so in like manner, the Lord is almighty. And so we ought not to fear. But it says, in addition to that, it says, put on the whole armor of God. Okay. Because you might be strong, but if you don't have armor on, you're exposed. In fact, you might have armor on, but you not be strong. Right. So the first imperative there the first command is be strong in the lord and in the strength of his might and he says put on the whole armor of god see we can't be selective see it 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 isn't enough that your heart is is right and pure before the lord because if your mind is jacked up guess what's going to happen you have vulnerability yes you love the lord but it this this has to get corrected this has to get ironed out right there's there's different components to our armory it's not just the head it's it's the chest but he says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil one of the things that i like is in in watchman knee's uh book um is he points out these three positions in as a christian there is sitting there was standing and there was walking. So our entire activity in the Lord is all predicated. It is all based off this position. And it is that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. 
We are glorified in him and he in us. We find rest in him. We find strength in him. We're, in other words, what does sitting imply? It implies I have rested from my work and now I may uh, uh, um, maintain a posture of rest. He has conquered every principality on the cross and he rose again from the dead. And so when he ascended to on high, what does the Bible say? It says that he see, he seated he he had seated upon his throne. That implies that the work is finished. And since we are seated with him, the greatest work of all has been accomplished, and we are in him, right? And so, but secondly, is that we walk. That means our day to day activity that is all based upon our rest in him. We don't walk in order to obtain it. We've obtained it, therefore we walk. But here, here's the encouraging part. He says that you may a be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Okay? So when the devil is opposing you and you're in adverse times and he is attacking you, you might be discouraged because you cannot advance. You cannot walk forward. But this is a necessary posture in times of opposition. You might be thinking, I should be further than where I am. I should be seeing a whole lot more progress. I've been pushed back by the enemy. But what you're doing in this time is you're adopting, you're fostering a position, a posture of stance, of, of, and because there's resistance. And so... Thank God that you're not moving backward. You're not regressing, but you're taking your stand. And take heart because this is a commandment. If you are standing firm, you may not be seeing progress. Your prayer life may not be getting better. Your devotional life may not be getting better. You may not be, con you may not be getting to those places that you want to go, but you are fulfilling the command of God nonetheless by virtue of the fact that you're taking a stance. You're standing firm. And this is what the Bible says, to stand against the schemes of the devil. And his schemes are numerous. His schemes are plenty. His schemes are many. I, I can think of one off the back and and... You know, where Paul says we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. What was the devices that he was talking about there in 2 Corinthians? Or I think it was first of 2 Corinthians. He said, welcome your brother back, because they had excommunicated him for sin. And he says, welcome him back, lest he be consumed by excessive sorrow. And see, this is the perversion of the devil. He will take what is good. He will take what is listed there in Scripture, and he will just take it further than what the Bible warrants. So the Bible talks about godly sorrow, but what the Bible doesn't talk about is godly sorrow that's debilitating, that's destabilizing, that's paralyzing, that cripples you, that consumes you to the point to where it leads to hopelessness. So the Bible says godly grief is, is good, but what the devil will do is he will pervert it and he, he'll cause you to drown in it. The Lord merely wants to baptize us in godly sorrow. 
if we're not walking accordingly. He doesn't want us drowned. He doesn't want to drown us there. <clears throat> but look at what Jesus says about, look at Jesus' attitude towards spiritual warfare. He says in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. So there's that rest in heavenly places that we're talking about there. He says, but in the world, you will have tribulation. In him, there's peace. We're seated with him. But in this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Well, him overcoming the world implies two things. He died and he rose again. That, that's what it means to say that he conquered the world. And because he had conquered the world, he ascended, and, and therefore he left us the comforter. So he has given us power, and he has given us a comforter. But also he serves as the example that it's possible. He, though being God, was nonetheless reliant upon the Holy Spirit as a man. And I think sometimes we, 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 we elevate his divinity so much that we, we, we can't seem to fathom that he was nonetheless man. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, and they have conquered him, and they have conquered him, namely the devil, by the blood of the lamb. But I, I kind of want to get into some of these schemes of the devil that he often throws our way he tempts to disobedience genesis chapter 3 verses 4 through 5 but the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for god knows that when you eat of it your eyes will be open and you will be like god knowing good and evil so the devil one of his devices is he's going to tempt you to disobedience If if you're if you're a minor and you still live under uh, your parents' covering, he's going to say, you know, uh, yeah, go ahead and dishonor them, disobey them. Obviously, if they're asking you to sin, that's an exception. <clears throat> he wants to create division. And he wants to incite you to disobedience because he knows that if there's disharmony in your relationship with God, you're left open to exposure. Number two is he instigates others to sin against you. If he can't get you to sin, he's going to get others to sin against you. He wants to dash your heart. He wants to ruin you. Um, you, someone may slander your name. Someone may steal property from you. Someone may have, uh, broken into your car and stole, stole, uh, who knows what you had in your car. Now you're angry <laughs> and you're, you're wanting the sun to go down on your wrath. Or someone may have undercut you or minimized you. 
right? These are all things. And this is not exclusive to the world. It happens in the church as well. But here's a big thing. There's a difference between you getting offended with people because they're doing the right thing. And there's a difference between someone sinning against you. Because if someone offends you and they're they're preaching the truth or they're they're walking a godly line, they're walking a godly life, that's that's a problem that's in your court. That's not their problem. Their problem is when they sin against you. They 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 defy scripture and they begin to harm you in the process. Here's an example. John chapter 13, verse 2 says, During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Judas betrayed the Lord Jesus. So the devil instigated Judas to go ahead and sin against Jesus. And I wish it wasn't the case, but People will betray you even in the house of God. Judas knew that Jesus was a righteous man. He says, I, 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 um, what did he say? You know, he, he turned in an innocent man for 20 shekels. He, he regretted what he did. There's always consequences when you when you betray God's people. That doesn't mean that you have to be best of friends. But notice Judas was working in the dark. But the Lord was not ignorant to it. <clears throat> Who has betrayed us? Sometimes people betray us because we're probably not the best of people. But there are times when we're a really good person. We're, we're living the best that we know how before the Lord Jesus, and they backstab you. I've had it happen to me, and it hurts. It really hurts. But you know what? Jesus is a friend to you in those times. He says, I, I, I won't leave you. I won't betray you. Number three is he hinders the work of God. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 18. It reads this, because he wanted, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. So Paul wanted to go to Thessalonica to preach the gospel and to encourage the Thessalonians. But do you know what his answer was? He said, Satan hindered us. It's kind of like all this garbage, nonsense, vaccine mandates stuff. Oh, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to uh, go through 20 hoops and hop on your foot and, you know, do all these things just so you can fly to a different place or just so you can eat at a restaurant. The devil is hindering. He hinders the work of God. So, you know, sometimes uh, it's right when you get a good idea for the Lord and then you get pushed back from the enemy. It's going to happen. 
And he, he may then from that point begin to discourage you and say, see, this really ain't from God. If this was from God, why is, why is it not effortless? Well, once again, going back to that theme is we're in a war. Why do we expect for a war to be effortless? We expect Amen. for it to be gory. We, we expect for there to be conflict. We expect for there to be exhaustion. But he's going to hinder your work. But at other times, sometimes it's the Lord hindering your work. The Lord hindered the Tower of ba uh, Babel. And I pray that the Lord would hinder all these um, mandates and throw throw these people into confusion. <clears throat> may, may the church of God prevail. May the people of God prevail. May we have success in our hand. May we put to flight the enemies of the Lord. Number four, he afflicts and oppresses the body. Luke chapter 13, verse 16. And ought not this woman, this is Jesus, Jesus speaking, a daughter of Abraham whom Satan bound for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? <clears throat> you know, sometimes it's not necessarily that the devil is directly oppressing you, but he's inciting you to certain behaviors that is causing bodily damage. For example, for those in the Lord, and and I feel like this is prophetic. I don't want you guys to tell on yourself. Smoking cigarettes. The devil will get you lung cancer or throat cancer. There is no Lord. Why did you allow? No, you allowed. There are obviously some things that are beyond our control. There are genetic, right? Things like that. I, I do believe there are things that we inherit genetically and problems like that. But our actions, and you think it's just the flesh, but you don't know that the devil has a plan for you 20 years down the line to cut you off early to kill you. So he said, keep smoking that cigarette. Keep smoking it. Hey, you want another one? You want another pack today? And then you get lung cancer. And then guess what? You're, the will of God, you were fulfilling the will of God to some extent as you're smoking cigarettes, but you're cut off 10 years early. Or you can't pray as you ought because you're always short-breathed. All right? Normally at this time, in, in, uh, if I'm preaching in person, I would say it's quiet, but everyone's mics are muted. <laughs> um, he slanders the saints. Job chapter 1, verse 11. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. So Job did not curse the Lord to his face. But what did the devil do? He told the Lord. He slandered Job to the Lord. And see, this is where you have to be careful. When you hear something published on YouTube with all these 
they're really annoying to me. I'll tell you that every single video is an exposed video, exposed false teacher, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, bro, you're the false teacher. You're creating division in the church. Shut up. But they annoy me because they're ruining people's reputations. And so you have to be careful. You have to do your research. Don't accept these claims. The Bible says in Proverbs that, you know, um, that it's foolishness to come to a verdict or a conclusion without hearing the other matter. Every man is right until the other testimony is heard. And so we have to be very careful because the devil is running rampant and he's slandering people. And sometimes it may even seemingly appear that the person was in the wrong, but there are cases where it's not the case. The devil has just taken a snapshot of your life and he displayed it before all. And now you look guilty. Now you look guilty. Do for others what we would want to be done unto us. I tell you, it's no fun for your life to be viewed in a fishbowl. But that's what the devil will do. Because if he can't get you to sin, he will slander you like he did uh, Joseph. He couldn't get uh, uh, Joseph to fall with Potiphar's wife and and commit uh, adultery or fornication. So what did he do? He put it in within Potiphar's wife's heart to say, hey, yeah, go go uh, say that he slept with you. And guess what she had? She had his robe because he fled from her. He got away. And so it looked like she had evidence. Number six, he, he blinds. He blinds people. And he will try to blind you to the will of God. You know how he does it? He will he will get he will tell you that you are so beyond the Lord being able to use you that you cannot even see the plan and purposes of God for your own life. He will lie to you. He will lie to you and say that you're never going to get out of this situation. Or you're never going to get out. And so what happens is you can't see it further, further, uh, further enough in the spirit for you to actually believe that God has something good for you. Number seven, he removes good seed. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. And when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches, snatches it away. Uh, uh, snatches away what has been sown in the heart. This is what was sown along the path. And so even now, the devil's probably going to try to be at work. And this is why I'm always saying be focused, because there may be something that God wants to speak to you, and the devil just snatches it away. You might be thinking, I don't really like his headphones. It has nothing to do with the message. <laughs> it's like, that mic is a bit distracting. Could he move it more to the left? And then what happens is you go down this rabbit trail that's completely irrelevant to the topic of spiritual warfare. It's like, how how duped can we be that we're listening to a topic of spiritual warfare, and then yet we're allowing ourselves to dis, get out of way, uh, uh, allow ourselves to drift off from hearing about it? 
It's a. Uh, it's like amnesia. You become disorientated. You're you're losing focus. He sows tares. This is a good one. Matthew 13, verses 38 and 39. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. You know what he will do? Is he will sow tares into your life. And guess what? Sometimes they're your, they're your cousins. Sometimes they are your friends. Sometimes they are so-called Christian brothers and sisters, and they're tares in your life. And guess what? The devil sold, sold, uh, sold them. They're not for the purposes of God. They're not your Jonathan. They're not your Timothy. They're not your Paul. And they began to administer destruction or, or division or doubt. They always got something negative to say. They all Every time you uh, go around them, you're always feeling down. You never feel uplifted. And I'm not talking about those that, that, need to tell, that tell you what you need to hear. Because sometimes those conversations will lead you feeling down, and you got to go ask the Lord to help you for those conversations. But I'm talking about every single time. No matter what they say, you always end up feeling down. They're terrors. My yoke is easy. My burden light is, is what the Lord said. He didn't say my burden is heavy. He says how good and pleasant it is that the brethren may dwell in unity. And if it is your intention to maintain peace and to live in harmony with the rest of the people of God, but there is someone in your life that is a disharmony, they're like... um. A, a piano out of tune. Every time you go to that key, it goes donk. For those musicians out here, you know what I'm talking about. When the piano's out of tune, and and it, it's like you, no matter how many times you play it, no matter how well you hit that note, the note is always going to come off as dissonance to the rest of the entire song. It's because it's it's out of tune. To hit a C chord, you need a C, E, and G in, uh, to make that triad. But they keep off giving a uh, 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 A flat. <laughs> they, they, they make some diminished chord in your life. <laughs> Anyways, um, the idea, though, is that they sow, th that they are tares. And the devil is behind this. And so that if we are not, if we need to adopt a position to where we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes. Because if we wander through our walk with the Lord aimlessly and we get into some trouble, the Lord will not always spare you from trouble. Many times, especially if you're a baby in Christ, he will do a lot of looking out for you, and he still does look out for us, for us all. 
But at some point, you you got to let them fall. You got to let the child fall for them to see that they're in the wrong. You know, when my boy was younger, um, I would always be like, you know, I'd still tell him don't run. But he has a hard head. So instead of grabbing him by, you know, his hand and preventing him from running, I'm saying, okay, you know what? You want to run? Go ahead, run. He said, me no fall, me no fall. Oh, no, you, you will fall. You will fall. Keep running. Keep doing exactly what I told you not to do. You're going to fall. But when when he falls, guess what he realizes? Oh, me better be careful next time. That's what I told you. <laughs> right? Re- remember just a little minute, uh, a couple seconds ago, I told you stop. <laughs> That's kind of like what the Lord does to us. I got it. I got it. I got it. And then you fall. And then guess guess who goes and repents? Me better be careful next time. <laughs> yeah, we, you better be careful. Watch out. Because some pits are hard to get out of. You might be falling into a pit that is very difficult to get out of. That's why sometimes when I tell you guys, that ain't the wisest thing. Look out. Oh, who who does he think he is? That's the devil already working. An enemy multiplies kisses. Enemies love to just kiss butt. Oh, you're the best. Oh, you're not in sin. Oh, good little you. Oh, boy. Who's a cute little Christian? You are. And they will never tell you that you're wrong. Yes, comforting people to hell or comforting people to a pit. And it's not legalism. It's not being hateful. It's not hating. It's not It's not none of that stuff. It's I love you. I don't want you to fall in that pit, man. Sis, I don't want you to fall in that pit. Stop. Please. I get nothing out of it. I'm looking out for you. It might take you five years to climb out of a pit that you fell in just for a night of pleasure. Speak Holy Spirit. A day. If I can be very transparent here, and I don't intend to be crude or anything, but yes, sex is very pleasurable but it will ruin you. It will ruin you. Relationships are very pleasurable, but they can ruin you. I can't tell you how many times I've cautioned people 
I don't think that person is the one. I remember there was a sister not long ago. Um, was well, about three years ago. Um, when I'd have uh, meetings here, prayer meetings, and she brought someone, and and then my <laughs> sorry. Uh, I, I, hopefully the Lord covers me for this one. My wife kept saying, maybe she's the one for, because it, it was a friend of my wife. It's like, maybe maybe this is, uh, just give this guy a try. I'm like, nope, that's not him. That's not him. But babe, m- maybe just, no. Nope. I, I see too clearly in the spirit that man ain't him. He's no good. No good. And I even have to know him. Sure enough. Sure enough. He was a deadbeat guy. A fake. A wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm not talking about just character flaws. I'm talking about like laid hands on a lady. Oh, but the sister would plead. No, just... You know, I uh, we read the Bible together. You don't understand. We have Bible studies. Yeah, you can have Bible studies with the devil all day long. You can have a Bible study with the devil all day long. He loves it. He loves to talk theology with you. Just throws a little bit of perversion. Just because they go to a church, do not be mistaken. Are they filled with Christ? Do they have a God-filled personality? I don't care how much Bible they know. If they do not know the Lord, even if they do know him, but they are immature, cut them out. Your relationship with the Lord, the calling of God on your life is too precious. I don't want to see any of your lives ruined. All because the devil sowed a tear in your life. Sometimes people rush to marriage. They get divorced. And in, in many cases, to many denominations, that person can't even be a pastor anymore. And I'm not going to get into the debate of what it means. The husband of one wife, does that mean he was not previously married? Does that mean he has to avoid polygamy? I'm not going to get into all that. But the problem is it's going to close a lot of doors. It's going to make it harder. And guess what? Sometimes the pastors begin to look like a bad guy. Who are you to tell me 
uh, inform me of my dating life. You're right. I have no control over any of you. But just FYI, please don't get mad at me. If I ever tell you, watch out. Because I do it out of love. I really do. Lastly, he he inspires the lying wonders. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So the devil is going to be able to do lying wonders. You know, I have a brother in the Lord that came from the Middle East. And he said that during his time in India, that there was this man in the occult who would tie a, a, a rope around his waist. He, he, um, oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> He would tie a rope around his waist. He would throw the rope up and it would stick up in midair like a metal pole. And he would climb up the rope that was attached to nothing but his waist. And he would stay there for like two days and fast. Straight up demoniac. Um, and, and, and I mean, the, the time would fail to go into all that demons do. But they want to point away from Jesus Christ. That's what they do. They will lie. They will deceive. They will blind. They will get people in awe. Oh, this person knows how to read tarot cards. What's my horoscope? And all this other stuff. And if he can't get you with that, he'll get you with the Bible. Did God really say? Or uh, throw yourself down from, from this mountain, for he will give his angels charge over thee to guard thee in all thy ways. They will lift thee up, lest I dash thy foot against a stone. If he can't get you with all that stuff, he's going to try to get you with the Bible. That's why you need to be careful with, I just believe the Bible, bro. I don't got an interpretation. I just believe the Bible. That form of black and white, closed off, arrogant thinking is going to get you deceived. No, you, you have to understand the scriptures. You have to be studious. You have to be careful. That's why the Bible says in the book of James that many should be teachers. Why? Because not only will we undergo a greater condemnation, but you also may lead others to error. You have to know it. <clears throat> but it says, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So you see how much up we're up against? You know why we must be strong in the Lord and the power of his might? 
Lean unto his wisdom, lean unto his knowledge, go to him in prayer and ask him, Lord, fill me again, baptize me again, strengthen me again, infuse me again with knowledge and wisdom and light and guide my path for unto you I cleave, you are my rock and you are my anchor, you are my fortress and refuge. And no, I don't have hope in anyone else or in anything else. And the devil, he's a cunning guy. Very crafty. Will get you into lukewarmness, you don't even realize it. will get you to defy the word of God without you even realizing it. Get you to prioritize other other things rather than God. You not even realize it. You were given attention to the front door and he came through the back. You know, you can be a mighty warrior like David and you still have problems. You see how David was able to conquer everybody with the sword. But when he came to his own family, oh boy, he had a problem. His own son, Absalom, wanted to ascend to the throne. Right? When it came to the Philistines and the Amalekites, he would lay the foreskins uh, on the ground of all these people. He was mighty in battle, but when it came to his own son, he began to act like a lunatic for his life to be spared. What does that say? That family is crippling, and the devil will use them. Friends and boyfriends and girlfriends. Oh, yeah, demons will be your friends. So watch out. Be careful. Be alert. Be vigilant. But it says, Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So we have to put on truth. The devil loves error. He loves darkness. He wants to keep you in a place to where you don't know. In fact, he wants what he loves better is for you to know that, uh, for you to think you know, but you don't know. Because in that case, he can get you to think that you're believing the truth, but you're believing a lie. Amen. Amen. Do we have the do we have the belt of truth on? And you know what? Sometimes it's not an intellectual thing. Sometimes it's a will thing. And your will will cause you to perceive things as oh, this is God's will. I know it is. A lot of the times it's not an intellectual thing, it's your will. And you want something so bad, 
you try to find every argument under the sun to try to justify what you want. That's why if there if there's a number of people that have objected to something that you're doing, it's probably because you're wrong. <clears throat> Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So I wanted to say something encouraging here too. About the righteousness, we have no righteousness of our own. The righteousness that is of merit is the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to us. A righteousness by faith, not a righteousness by works. And so that is a significant key to our battle is when the enemy wants to assault us and say, you're not perfect, you're condemned, or you're not completely looking like Jesus. You filthy, no good for nothing. You can rest assured and keep your heart protected because you can rest and bank on the fact that you have the righteousness of Christ imputed to you. Yes, we are all before the throne of God. We're all guilty, but we are saved on the account of his righteousness, not ours. He was condemned on the account of our unrighteousness. He had no sin of his own, but was condemned. We have no righteousness of our own, but are saved. And that is what enables us to have confidence before God and before demons to know that I am justified, I am saved, I am secured, I am righteous. He has made me holy. Come on, I'm not preaching Mormonism, am I? <laughs> I need some amens. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> the rest of you are Mormons. I knew it. Amen. Mormons. There we go. Woo! No Mormons. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> We'll be coming to a close here shortly. And as you're for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation. <clears throat> so I'm taking it that flaming darts represent fire, represent adversity represents problems and the devil is shooting quiver uh, shooting arrow after arrow from his quiver just taking him out boom it's a marksman boom boom and he's aiming them at your head at your heart and in your gut he's aiming it wherever he can get you and so this is why it's so important that we do not neglect any form of, of armory 
We have to keep it on. And you know what I'll tell you? One of the biggest things is, is your head. And that you need to put on the helmet of salvation. You don't know how many times the devil is going to come and he's going to begin to uh, uh, whisper in your ear and say, you're not saved. You're not worthless. You're, You're worthless. You're going to hell. God has abandoned you. God has rejected you. Um, God has rejected you. God has abandoned you. God's not going to come through for you. And he's going to, he wants to whisper in your ear to get you to believe a lie. And he wants to throw you into confusion. He wants to throw you into despair. And your heart may be very well intended. Your heart is sincere and your heart loves the Lord. Your breastplate is intact but your head is getting jacked up and thrown into confusion and you don't even know what the truth is anymore. And you're in a torture chamber. You're in the gulag of your own mind, the concentration camp of your own mind. And the Lord is saying that I want to bring salvation to your mind. I want to bring health in your head. And here's another tactic that the devil always throw. He will, he will put, he will implant a thought and he will say, it is you who thought that. And then he began slandering. He said, you're the author of that thought. Ooh, and you know you like it. And you begin to play mind games. He's a master manipulator. And this is what I've learned long ago is I don't get in arguments with the devil. I just shut him up and I just get to prayer. I just ignore. I already know his tactics. I already know his. I know that ain't coming from me and I ain't coming from the Lord. So who is it coming from? It's coming from the devil. Another thing he will say is, "Ooh, you're possessed. Because these thoughts are coming into your mind. Therefore, you're not a Christian. Therefore, you're going to hell. And so he's constantly bombarding, infiltrating, torturing your mind. And the best thing to do, because you got to remember that he's been in existence for thousands of years. So he's probably the best of philosophers. He's the best logician. He knows this way and that way. He knows uh, uh, um, how to argue. He's been deceiving people for over a millennia. So you don't get in arguments with him. You just say the scriptures say. Yeah, but you you don't you you feel like and then he will be he begin to appeal to your feelings, but you feel this way. But I'm sorry that my feelings don't dictate what's written. Amen. Amen. It is written. You're condemned. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ. It is written. You're cut off from God. It is written. Therefore, having been justified by faith, I have peace with God. You're still paying for all your sins. He was delivered up for our transgressions. And through his resurrection, the wrath of God has been exempt. God ain't going to provide. He shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. There's no hope for you. Now the, may the God of all hope and all grace, right? Amen. 
You're weak. You can't get through this. He who began a good work in me will finish it. You're going to die this way. I believe I have seen the goodness of the Lord and I believe I will see I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It is written, it is written, it is written. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Jesus. I pray comfort your people, Lord. <clears throat> Hallelujah. 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 Just praise and magnify your name. Lord, you're worthy. Yes, Lord, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Comfort your people, Lord. Father, I pray, God, for every person that's in despair right now. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Father, lift up every heart. Lift up every soul, Lord, right now that has been going through hell in their mind. That's been going through hell, Lord God. Father, I pray that you would comfort, that you would lift them up out of their misery. It won't always be like this. Lord will perfect that concern in you. Sooner or later, it will turn in your favor. Yes, Lord, may it turn in their favor. Thank you for your precious presence, Lord, that's just ministering right now, Lord. Yes, Lord, more of you. Father, may the walls come tumbling down. Every wall, Lord God, that every heart in this place felt like they had to build, Lord God, for themselves because they're tired of getting hurt. God, may it just come tumbling down. The Holy Spirit's moving on some of your hearts right now. He wants to know that you that he loves you. He wants you to know he loves you. You're not alone. He knows you by name. He loves you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just have your way, Lord. We, we're so open to you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. More, Lord. More, Lord. More of your Holy Spirit. Break every chain. Break every yoke. Break every bondage. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 
The Lord wants to speak peace to your minds. He wants to speak hope to your minds. He wants to speak comfort to your minds and hearts. He has a good plan and purpose for our lives. God doesn't fail in love. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. The Lord doesn't get tired of being merciful. You know that? You know, it's been uh, 10,000 years since you met, and God has not grown tired of being merciful. The Bible says in Micah 7, says he delights to show mercy. He will again have compassion on us, and he will tread all our sins underfoot and hurl it into the depths of the sea. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Faith in ourselves? No. Faith in the Lord? Yes. And this is why the devil's always after the character of God. He wants you to distrust the Lord. Have faith in the Lord. And I just want to come to a close on these final thoughts here. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and all supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. So prayer is indispensable to fighting this battle. The fighting this spiritual war. There's going to be a temptation for you to rely on yourself. For you to figure things out. But the Lord wants you to convert every problem into your life into a prayer. In terms of direction, in terms of wisdom, in terms of guidance. He wants you to pray. In terms of strength, he wants you to pray. What's the opposite of prayer? It's to look to yourself. And you already know that that doesn't, that doesn't lead in hope. It leads to despair. And some things you may be confident in yourself about. But there will come those times and there will come those days and there will come those issues that you just cannot conquer. You just cannot overcome. And it is in those moments that you must submit to the Lord's antidote, to his solution and say, God, I'm trusting that you will help me through this. Look at the world. They rely on Egypt. They rely on the devil. They rely on the flesh. They rely on manipulation. They rely on worldly strength. They rely on power and they rely on money. But the Bible says that God has no strength and that God has no pleasure in the strength of men. The Bible says that God has no uh, uh, pleasure in in the world and, and the way they do things. Because why? The Bible says in Isaiah, I just read this last night, that the Lord exalts himself to have grace upon you. 
The Lord exalts himself. People, a lot of atheists have tried to accuse God of being egotistical. So why does he command people to be worshipped? Because he's the greatest good. Man. Therein lies the freedom of men. Do we want men to exalt themselves or the devil to exalt themselves or some wicked tyrant to uh, exalt themselves? No. It leads in court. It leads into uh, millions of corpses. It leads into bondage. It leads into corruption. God is the only one in whom the heart of man, when it is converted, rejoices. When people exalt themselves over us, we don't rejoice. When people are egomaniacs and they only talk about how good they are or all the good things they've done or how bad they are, it is insults, it's repulsive to the flesh of men. But in God, when he exalts himself and we pray for him to be exalted, all of mankind is liberated. He says, if I be high and lifted up, I will draw men to me. I will heal. I will make whole. I will restore. I will mend. Amen. So we exalt him. We exalt him in his name. His name is glorious to the only wise God, immortal, invisible, to whom belongs glory and dominion. Forever and ever, amen. To him belongs the glory. Like the psalmist cried, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to you, the glory, to you, the glory. So, God, we worship you. We glorify your name. We magnify your name. We meet together for you, Lord, for your presence, for your plans, for your ways, for your word, for your spirit, Lord. Your word says that your spirit is good. Therefore, the Lord leads sinners in the way. We want you, Lord. We need you, God. We're needy. Bow down your ear for we're poor and needy. Lord, we don't want to be like the Laodicean church. This is, I've increased in goods and have need of nothing. Lord, keep us needy. Keep us dependent. Keep us weak. Keep us humble. We need your glory to rest upon us, Father. God, help us. God, help us. May we never be sufficient or self-satisfied. Oh. And if we have to weep in your presence, even if we have to weep, may the image come down. The walls come down. You stand at the door and knock in our in the, the the home of our hearts. You stand at the door and knock. You stand at the door and knock, Lord. Knock, Lord. I pray, knock on our hearts. <laughs> I love this song. It says. There's room at the cross for you. Yes, there's room at the cross for you. It says, though millions have come, there's still room for one. Yes, there's room 
at the cross for you. The Savior awaits. The Savior awaits. And some of your hearts are scared to be intimate with God. Because you don't like to see what you see in your own heart. And it's hard for you to hear what the Lord is telling you you need to change. That's the only way to intimacy if you get close. I love this song. It says, into your arms, I'm drawing near again. To dwell with you is my only heart's desire. It says, cleanse me with fire. Purify my heart. The Lord wants to cleanse us with fire. Purify us. And it hurts. But there's a comfort and a peace that comes afterward. And sometimes the Lord will use even the devil like he used him in Job's life. He will use the devil like he used in Job's life. Because he needs to get something to you. Can we say can we say that to the Lord? Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. Your grace is enough. Your love is enough. Your mercy is enough. Your presence is enough. I can't tell you how many times I've broke down and I've wept before God's presence. And it hurt hurt because there's things that the Lord told me I had to people I had to let go things I had to do that wasn't easy for me but you know what I can tell you that he always came near like a friend and he never left me comfortless he never left me comfortless he always came the times where I felt like I couldn't make it anymore, he said, son, I love you. I'm going to help you through this. When some of you feel like you're at the end of your ropes, and you're saying, I don't know how much longer I can battle. I don't know how much longer I can fight. In fact, there's some of you that even said, I'd rather just die I don't have to fight anymore because I don't want to go back, but I can't go forward. It's like Elijah. He said, Lord, it is enough. Am I greater than my father's? Just take my life. But the Bible says that he that waits upon the Lord shall renew their strength. <laughs> <clears throat> Father, in this moment, Lord, <clears throat> I 
I pray, God, that you would strengthen, that you would heal every heart. God, that you would mend every soul. Father, I pray for those that <clears throat> have felt convicted, that you would give them the grace and the strength to be able to obey. God, I ask of you right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would strengthen, you would uphold, you would mend, you would restore, you would rehabilitate. Father, I pray for those whose hearts are messed up, whose walks are messed up. Father, they're paralyzed. Father, would you raise them up? God, I pray for the Holy Spirit to begin to administer peace and joy and hope and strength. Help them, Lord God. Give them a second wind. For those that have thought it was over, that feel like the valley of the dry bones in the book of Ezekiel, Lord, would you raise that valley of dry bones up? In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, would you raise that valley up god in jesus mighty name hallelujah yes lord strengthen god holy spirit strengthen holy spirit move we invite you in this place hallelujah thank you jesus may we see lord god the petition of our the answers to our petitions, the answers to our prayers. <clears throat> Let's cut this off real quick. I'm going to keep praying.